This is Damien Real, and you're listening to the IP Fridays podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 125 of the IP Fridays podcast. I'm Ken Suzanne, co-host of the IP Fridays podcast, along with Rolf Clayson. If this is your first time listening to the IP Fridays podcast, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. If you enjoy our podcast, please help to spread the word on social media and through word of mouth. Rolf and I wish you a wonderful holiday season and happy new year. Stay with us in 2022 for more insightful and useful content about intellectual property law around the world. Our guest today is Damien Real, attorney based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and his fascinating All the Music Project that is a digital compendium of all mathematically possible melodies. We discuss his project and, in particular, the relationship to copyright infringement disputes. Before we get to today's interview, let's discuss an important procedural change that is likely to occur at the United States Patent and Trademark Office in the spring of 2022. The days of receiving a printed certificate of registration in your mailbox from the United States Patent and Trademark Office upon issuance of a federal trademark or service mark registration are likely numbered. Beginning in the spring of 2022, the USPTO plans to stop issuing these printed certificates of registration and instead replace them with electronic certificates. According to a blog post by Drew Hirschfeld, who is performing the functions and duties of the Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and Director of the USPTO, quote, this change will allow us to issue trademark registrations one to two weeks faster than our current process by discontinuing the printing, assembling, and mailing of paper registration certificates upon issuance. Since we currently issue 6,000 to 9,000 printed trademarks registration certificates per week, this will reduce paper processing to a minimum, close quote. If you still want to receive a presentation copy with the embossed gold seal and the director's signature, there will be a way to receive that copy, but it will carry a $25 fee. Now, on to the interview with Damien Real. Our guest today on the IP Fridays podcast is Damien Real. Damien is a lawyer, musician, and technologist with experience in complex litigation, digital forensics, and software development. A coder since 1985 and for the for the web since 1995, Damien helps lead the design, development, and expansion of fast cases data science efforts, integrating AI-backed technologies to improve legal workflows and to power legal data analytics. In 2019, Damien gave a TEDx talk about his All the Music project, which to date has computationally composed 400 billion melodies, has written them to disk, or as referred to in the law, fixed in a tangible medium, and has given the public access through Creative Commons Zero, which provides rights similar to rights to works in the public domain. 
Damien's project has contributed to discussions between lawyers, musicians, and industry professionals regarding copyrightability of machine-created works and copyrightability of melodies alone. Welcome, Damien, to the IP Fridays podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really uh, happy to talk with you today. Damien, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and what led you to become an attorney? I have an undergraduate degree, a bachelor's degree in music. And so um, as I was uh, conducting a Brahms piece for my high school students, uh, two of my tenors started punching each other in the face. And uh, and I, as I was breaking them up, I thought they don't pay music teachers enough to break up fistfights. So I thought, what am I going to do next? I uh, worked for the federal courts for a little while. As I thought about that, got to know some Eighth Circuit clerks and thought, uh, I'm as smart as they are and decided to go to law school. And what are your observations about AI-backed technologies with respect to growth in the United States and internationally? I would say that uh, there are lots of uh, worries from the creative uh, folks as well as the legal folks as to, uh, is our robots going to take my job? Is, is, is AI going to take my job? And I would say for the largest part, those concerns are unfounded. Uh, that is, there are uh, many uh, ways, uh, most ways that lawyers provide value to their clients and most ways that creative types provide value are things that machines cannot do today and cannot, will not be able to do, I would wager, in my lifetime. Uh, so I would say that uh, AI-backed technologies are exploding um, and uh, they are going to make your life better, faster, stronger in the way that Microsoft Word makes your life better, faster, stronger. And the way that Microsoft Excel makes accountants' lives better, faster, stronger. Um, it is not going to replace us, uh, but it will certainly make us, uh, in the uh, words of Iron Man, it will give us an exoskeleton to be able to do our work better. Damien, let's discuss your current project. What is it? My current project is uh, stemmed from my time on Facebook, uh, where uh, Facebook had hired me and my company to investigate Cambridge Analytica. And so we'd spend 12 hours uh, a day working on the Facebook project, uh, go back to the hotel and uh, talk about other things. So um, amongst those other things that we talked about, I said to my colleague, Noah, I said, um, Noah, you know how we can brute force passwords. You could go AAA, AAB, AAC. Uh, and I said, well, I wonder if we could do that for music. I wonder if we could go da 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 re da da mi da 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 fa and then just mathematically exhaust every melody. And he said, boy, that's a really cool problem. And within a few hours, he had a prototype where he's churning out thousands of melodies per second to disk uh, using MIDI. And uh, and it was uh, then that I realized uh, after a little while that this might actually solve a problem in the copyright world that had been bugging me uh, since law school days. Because um, George Harrison's case, uh, where he had My Sweet Lord, which sounded like the previous Chiffon song, uh, which is uh, He's So Fine. Um, and the judge ultimately dinged George Harrison. Um, George Harrison had said, I'd never heard the chiffons before. And the judge said, I believe you. Uh, but I think what you did, George Harrison, is subconsciously infringe the chiffons. So therefore, I'm going to ding you for uh, however million dollars that he was dinged for. So the problem that I was trying to solve is, you know, these you stole my melody lawsuits. Uh, really, the problem the defendants have is that they can't uh, you can't defend against a subconscious infringement because to do that, you would have to prove a negative. You would have to prove that I have never heard a song before. And a student of any student of philosophy will tell you that uh, proving a negative is impossible. You can never prove as a defendant that I've never heard a song over the supermarket uh, loudspeaker, that I've never heard a song on, in my friend's radio, uh, that uh, proving that negative is, is an impossibility. So defendants are left in that 
impossible, untenable position to prove that negative. So I realized that by mathematically exhausting every melody that's ever been and every melody that ever can be, um, we can maybe make two arguments for courts. Um, argument number one is that um, Damien created this melody uh, that has never existed before, copyrighted it, placed it in the public domain. Therefore, because in the public domain, you can't sue me over it. That's argument number one. Argument number two is uh, that because this is a melody that Damien's machine turned out at the rate of 30,000 melodies per second, um, maybe that melody is not copyrightable in the first place. Um, maybe it doesn't reach the modicum of creativity required for copyrightable works. Um, maybe that matter is not copyrightable, therefore you can't sue over that melody. And this actually came to the fore in the um, in the Katy Perry case. Uh, there was a Katy Perry case. Uh, Katy Perry got sued by a guy named Flame, uh, and the melody at issue in that case is literally dun 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 dun. Um, so just quarter notes, uh, and it's a descending scale from the top of the tonic down the scale. So it's one two three four five six seven eight. Um, and she got dinged for two point something million dollars for that very simple, very ridiculously simple melody that any musician would say that's that shouldn't be copyrightable anyway. Um, that melody that was sued for two point uh, some uh, million dollars is in our data set, the, all the music data set in our 16 billion uh, data set. It shows up 8,170 sometimes that, that, that has fought over thing. So um, what we're trying to show with our project is that uh, getting to that melody is not some creative spark that Flame had or a creative spark that Katy Perry had. But both of them were just pulling from an existing finite melodic data set uh, that, that has already existed mathematically since the beginning of time. Uh, Flame happened to pick it out and Katy Perry happened to pick it out. Um, but just like math is not copyrightable, uh, perhaps that existing data set is so simple uh, that it shouldn't be copyrightable either. Damien, what's the impetus? Why are you doing this project? It's a, Part of it is... Uh, is a proof of concept uh, that uh, first, you know, why do people climb Mount Everest? Because they're there, <laughs> because it's there. And so a uh, part of it was just a, uh, almost a thought experiment to see, can I write, you know, 400 billion melodies to disc? And the answer to that turned out to be yes. Um, but then beyond that, it's to be able to help these, you stole my melody lawsuits. Um, because I, I see that, um, especially after the Marvin Gaye Blurred Lines case, uh, there was an, the Ninth Circuit case in the Blurred Lines. Um, the Ninth Circuit appeared to sanction the idea that one can copyright groove, uh, that that groove is copyrightable, that even if you don't steal the uh, particular notes, if you steal the overall feel, in their words, um, then you're able to uh, able to be dinged for copyright infringement. So I, that seems unjust uh, for many ways. And I, as a musician songwriter myself, I want to leave the space open for musicians to not have to worry about looking over their shoulder because there's a target on their back for a song that they may have never heard before in their lives. Uh, but then if I get popular enough, uh, I'm going to get sued for the song that I've never heard. And by the way, I'll have to prove a negative that I will never be able to pay there, uh, will never be able to prove. Therefore, I need to pay co-songwriting credits to this person I've never heard of uh, just to be able to get rid of this nuisance lawsuit. Um, that seems like a very unjust uh, situation that we're trying to write through this process. Mm -hmm. Now, are you making money from this project? Uh, thankfully, I will say I have not made a, a single dollar on this project. In fact, uh -huh. I've spent many thousands of dollars on this project that will never be recouped. Labor we of have love. 
it is a labor of love. We have an LLC to be able to uh, take care of ourselves for uh, for liability purposes uh, because we are, as I mentioned, I, uh, we're we've written every melody that's ever been and every melody that's been copyrighted. So we're trying to not get sued ourselves. Um, but I would say that uh, so we have an LLC to be able to keep that from happening, uh, at least personal liability. But yeah, we've not made a dollar from and, this. And what have you created so far? Uh, I think you may have touched on that. Yeah, we've we've uh, during my TEDx talk, which was recorded in uh, August of 2019, uh, we'd made 16 billion melodies, uh, and so uh, that uh, what that consisted of the, at that point was uh, the uh, the diatonic scale, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. That's eight notes up: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then we made 10 notes repeated. So if you think about every melody that has the with is within an octave, and then 10 notes, um, and every mathematical permutation. That's what we had created at the point of the TEDx talk in uh, August of 2019. Since then, we've uh, created uh, not just the major scale, but also the minor scale and also the chromatic scale. So if you think about on the piano, you have both the white notes and the black notes. So because we've done the chromatic scale, now that covers classical music, that also covers jazz. Um, what we've also built is to be able to uh, build in rhythm into our melodic data set. It's not just quarter notes, but we've introduced uh, uh, rests into it. Um, so because we've entered silence into it, uh, that makes quarter notes, half notes, uh, eighth notes, 16th notes, et cetera. Um, so we just keep marching through all the mathematical permutations of all the things um, in an effort to be able to demonstrate that this is not any melody that's created, uh, you know, is a work of creative genius, but the creative genius that is created is not the change in pitch that the, all the music project is doing, but it's instead uh, the creative genius of the pitch plus the rhythm, plus the lyrics, plus uh, the instrumentation, plus the chord structure around them. It's only through all of those things that is copyrightable. And any one of those elements that is just the change in pitch, which we're covering, should not be copyrightable. Damien, how do you uh, hope to help song songwriters uh, with this project? It seems like it would be very helpful for songwriters. It's true, and I, I anticipated, and I, I worried that songwriters would be angry with me for, uh, for essentially uh, taking the entire uh, melodic data set and, and exhausting it. Um, but I'm surprised and happy that uh, songwriters are very grateful, at least the ones I've talked with, uh, for what I'm doing because they uh, have told me individually that uh, they are worried about getting sued for songs they haven't uh, they hadn't ever heard before, and to the point that some professional songwriters that I know that have released albums have had listening parties at their house, and they say to the people at the listening parties, please tell me if any of the songs you hear sound like another song, because then I'll be able to keep take it off the record. Um, so anyway, so that seems like a very sad situation that that song will not see the light of day because this person is afraid of a song that they've never heard before. Therefore, that song that they've created will not see the light of day. Um, so I want songwriters like that person to be able to have more confidence that, um, that they can release things in the world with less fear of getting sued. And thankfully there's a uh, songwriters I've talked to have recognized that this is a, a circular firing squad uh, where a songwriter might be suing today, but they might get sued tomorrow. Uh, so you might be shooting today, but you'll get shot tomorrow. Uh, and it's just untenable. People just want to make music. So songwriters understand that my, uh, all the music project can help them just make more music. Are there any applications uh, beyond songwriters, uh, your project. There, there is uh, potentially something beyond songwriters. Um, I say in my TEDx talk that um, the math on what we've created, so say uh, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, that's eight notes up. And then if you repeat that 10 times, the math on that is eight to the 10th power. That's the, the math on it. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, 
when you ask, you know, is there applications beyond songwriters? Um, there maybe is something uh, related to uh, to words uh, that is the English language, um, but the math on that is much higher. So uh, the word the words in the English language is 171,000 words. So it's not eight pitches up; it's 171,000 words. Uh, and then if you have uh, say a three word phrase, that's 171,000 to the third power. Uh, so that's wow. a that's that's a a lot of permutations. Um, so if people have asked, you know, can't you do this for anything? Can't you do this for the English language? And, and the answer is yes, right? You probably could. Uh, but a ten word sentence uh, in the you know, so that would be one hundred seventy one thousand to the tenth power. Um, the odds of reaching that are infinitesimal, uh, right? Much smaller than eight to the tenth power, uh, which is what we've created. So anyway, so that's all a way of saying that maybe someone could maybe do this on the English language. But I think the musical data set is a small enough data set uh, that it's much more likely that I'm going to accidentally hit the same note uh, and hit the same melodies as you have. Fascinating, Damien. Now, what, what would you say are the primary legal questions <clears throat> connected with your project if we had to distill it into a short paragraph? The first question is, is a machine-created melody copyrightable? And that's something that the U.S. Copyright Office has uh, talked about. That's something that the um, I know International WIPO has talked about that. Um, so, and so some state countries uh, like the U.K. have said yes, uh, a machine-created work is a work that uh, is uh, deemed copyrightable. Um, the U.S. Copyright Office at this point has said no, uh, it is not copyrightable. And I would say that that's question number one: is copyrightable. And if the answer to that question number one is no, it is not copyrightable. Um, the big question is why. Why is it not copyrightable? And I would bet that the primary answer is it's not copyrightable because a machine cannot be creative. Uh, we uh, have copyright law in the United States as an incentive to humans to be creative, right? That's what we want to, we say, okay, because we want you to be creative, we will give you a limited monopoly on this thing uh, to be, give you incentive to be creative. And because a machine cannot be creative, uh, therefore you don't get that limited, uh, that limited monopoly. So my then question next, next question is if, that machine that I created in all the music, it turned out 30,000 melodies per second. Uh, each of those 30,000 melodies per second is not creative. Should that be copyrightable, that same melody, if it comes out of a person's brain? Should that, uh, should that factual thing that comes out of a machine turn all of a sudden magically non-factual because it came out of a human's brain? And I would argue no, uh, because there are only so many melodies uh, that can be created, whether by machine or by humans. And uh, the change in pitch should not be copyrighted, while the entire song can be copyrighted. And a song is not just the change in pitch. A song is the lyrics, plus the melody, plus the rhythms, plus the chord structure, plus the instrumentation, plus a million other things uh, that really constitutes a quote unquote song. The change of pitch is only one of those things and should not be sued over. It seems like this type of uh, analysis could be helpful in litigation where you might be an expert uh, that comes to mind. Indeed. Yeah. I've spoken with lots of folks uh, that have said that very same thing. And lots of lawyers uh, have said that the next time I have a you stole my melody lawsuit, you're going to be amongst the first people I call to be able to testify as to what I've created and to be able to be a test case. Uh, there is, I'm currently working with uh, Jennifer Jenkins out of Duke Law, uh, who is an expert on the public domain. And she and I, uh, uh, actually, I just got invited to speak at South by Southwest. Uh, Southwest, Southwest asked me to speak uh, and she they said, can you bring together a panel of experts? I'm, I brought Jennifer Jenkins from Duke Law. So she and I are talking about 
what a good test case would be, uh, and you know what what would constitute a good test case to be able to bring my uh, all the music project forth to a court and have it uh, tried by uh, uh, get some good case law out of it. Oh, I think so. I think it'd be really fascinating to see where this goes in the future. Damien, I understand you're also involved with choral music online. Can you tell our listeners about that? Of course, uh, I was a voice major uh, and I was going to be a choir conductor. And so um, that, that's for 20 years, uh, uh, that's kind of taken a backseat to my legal career and to my um, to my technology career. But I would say that my um, my uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, pre-pandemic, I had been traveling every week uh, for between three and five days a week, every week. Uh, and the pandemic hit and uh, I had some time on my hands and I realized that singers uh, we're feeling the pain of the pandemic and that they're not able to sing with everyone else. So I decided to create a virtual choir uh, where I invited uh, anyone in the world who wanted to sing uh, to be able to sing with me. And so I would create guide tracks. And uh, at this point, we've had a few uh, few hundred thousand views on the on YouTube. And uh, at this point, we have people from Australia, from the Czech Republic, uh, and of course, from the United States, from you know, everywhere from DC to Maryland, to New York, to uh, California, to Minnesota. Um, we have lots of folks around the world who are singing apart together. Uh, it's been a very rewarding uh, experience. Is there a link where people can find all of the recordings? Uh, you can. You can search. Uh, it's my, it's on my YouTube channel. The, the name of the group is called Scola Diffusa. Uh, that's a Latin term for uh, dispersed choir. Uh, so if you search for Scola, S-C-H-O-L-A, and then uh, the second word is Diffusa, D-I-F-F-U-S-A, uh, or you can search for my name, Damien Real, on YouTube, and uh, you'll be able to pull it up. Excellent. Yeah, I've actually heard uh, some of the performances and they're outstanding. So great Thanks. job on that. Um, also, I understand you have a TEDx talk. Uh, how can people get that as well? Sure. The easiest way is probably to look on the notes for this uh, for this podcast. Search for okay. my name and copyright. It'll be the first one. And the the TED the so mine was a TEDx Minneapolis talk. Um, just this past week, uh, the Big TED uh, TEDcat.com has reached out to me. They want to showcase it on their uh, Big TED uh, stage. So I had to do it. But yeah, it's it's really exciting. So yeah, if you search Damien Real and copyright, it'll be among the first things to come up. And to and for our listeners, your last name is spelled R I E H L. That's correct. And pronounced okay. real, not fake. Okay. Damien, thanks so much for your time today on the IP Fridays podcast. Fascinating material. And we look forward to hearing more about you and your projects. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at IPFridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at IPFridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to IPFridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion 
on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.